good, everybody? Welcome to another Niners Nation podcast. This is the Gold Standard Edition. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. Levin Black is with me as always. Levin, welcome to the Jaquaski Tart edition of the program, number 29. Uh, I knew you were going to do this. You claimed Ahmed Plummer was going to be the next week, last week when I brought it up, but you ended up going with Tart after all. No, look, he's Plummer is one of many. 49ers who have worn the number 29 over the years I you know I wanted to go with with Tart because he never gets any love because nobody knows how to say his name so there you go I'm sure all his years of toil are now worth it for having earned the honor of this podcast (laughs) yeah I'm sure he's really concerned about that he should be let's be honest get your priorities together Joukowsky let's go Uh, We want to remind you, as always, rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. We do appreciate it. Please keep them coming. A couple of things we're going to get to on today's show. John Lynch, uh, I could hear you screaming at me, 49ers Twitter, but I'm sorry because they keep doing this. John Lynch went on the iChart for Two podcast and, as you might imagine, was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo, and he said some pretty interesting things. So we will get into that. There's a couple different sound bites we're going to play for you, and then we're going to react to those. And then after we take a break, Levin threw some questions at me on Twitter, on uh, text today, I should say, and they got my sort of gears turning a little bit. Who would you be most mad about losing and who will likely be back next year that you don't want? So we're going to answer both of those two. First question, how the hell did you think of those? Uh, I don't know. You literally texted me an article to say, read this so we could talk about it, which was the John Lynch thing. And I don't know, that popped in my head. And then 10 minutes later, it popped in my head. Oh, there's a flip side. We should also talk about who we don't want back. So that's a little window into the creative process for this podcast. <laughs> uh, that's a little window into my creative, whatever you want to call it. Things just pop in my head. Did you have this brainstorm while you were at work doing nothing? Correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to see you were productive there. I appreciate you thinking about the pod during your day, maybe sacrificing the safety of others, but, you know, I still appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't say I was sacrificing the safety of others, but you know, when you're sitting and staring at nothing all day long, you got to fill that void with something. And unfortunately for me, sometimes that void is filled with thoughts of what I'm going to be doing and talking to you about. See, I am living in your head rent free. Live with that. (laughs) Says the guy that responded to my tweets today. I respond to your tweets all the time. What are you talking about? (laughs) Exactly. All right. Let's get into it a little bit because John Lynch said some things today and they were taken a lot of different ways by 49ers Twitter. But we want to play it for you so you can hear it and you can sort of decide for yourself. Like I said, John Lynch went on the eye chart for two part or the eye test for two. Excuse me. The eye test for two podcast. And he said a couple of different things. And he talked about Jimmy Garoppolo. If he's injury free. Is there any doubt in your mind that Jimmy Garoppolo is your quarterback when you line up in September? No, not at all. I mean, I, I really believe that he, uh, you know, I just look at the numbers. I mean, he's 25 and 24 and nine, 25 and nine when he's played, um, you know, though being available is a big part of this thing. So, like I said, we, we probably as a uh, 
stated goal. We have to insulate ourselves better and we got to have better options if he's not there. Um, but, you know, I've, I've watched people go through this in the career where they struggle. It happened to me early. And then I went eight years without missing a practice. So I believe that things can happen. I, I believe they will for him. And, 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 you know, I really believe that Jimmy is our guy. Your thoughts. <laughs> uh, I guess there's technically three ways that that could be taken. I think two are much more likely than the third. The obvious one is, yeah, they truly believe in Jimmy. Uh, I don't think that's an obvious uh, or one that's the reality because everything else they've done has shown that they don't think for sure Jimmy's the guy. They wouldn't be kicking tires on almost every single quarterback out there if they thought Jimmy was the guy. They wouldn't have made calls about Stafford. They ended up not really pursuing Stafford, but it was confirmed that they at least talked about a trade when they heard what the prices were. They said, we're out. But that tells you everything they truly think about Jimmy. So the other two ways I take this is, one, he has to say this, because if he says, who knows, we'll see where it goes, then that's hard to come back from if you end up being stuck with Jimmy. And that also kind of could potentially hurt his trade value if you're looking to trade him in the future, if you end up getting a rookie or whatever, Because then teams go, well, you don't think he's that good. You know, if you're not talking up the quarterback, it could hurt his trade value. The other way to take it, which I think is probably the most likely one, the one that I would go with if I had to bet, is that they have pursued the offseason quarterbacks that are available. Houston is not taking offers. They're refusing to respond to anything. They have not been able to get the other ones. I think in the draft, I don't think they're going to be willing to trade up. So they think it's unlikely one of those quarterbacks will fall to them at 12. So they're looking at a high probability Jimmy will be back. So they better start talking about how he's their man so they can talk him up so that he hits the season with confidence. Because there's, you know, at this point, if you don't do that, you could hurt his confidence, which a professional shouldn't, but people are human. I think they're starting to talk him up and going out of their way. Like you said, one of those answers was unprompted uh, because they know that there's a very good chance that Jimmy's going to be the starter now, whereas they might not have known that a month ago. But if you go into an off season, and this is almost, you could say, the second straight off season, where you identify the quarterback as a position that you need to upgrade, and then you don't upgrade it for two straight years, like, how do you let that happen? Once you identify that an upgrade is needed, how do you just not do it? I think they look at it this way. Jimmy is a good enough quarterback. He's just not as good as you would want. That there are upgrades out there. So they're going to look into upgrades if they're there. And if they find a bargain at a price that they're willing to pay, they will pull the trigger. So they're doing their due diligence by checking in on every single quarterback. But when they hear what the market is, which the market for a quarterback is always going to be high, they go, no, we're good because we have a good enough one. Now, you can argue how good Jimmy really is. You know, I think it's really dumb to be praying for health with him when he's pretty much not played two out of three of the seasons that he's been a starter. And he got hurt when he was replacing Brady for four games during the deflate gate suspension. So really he's been injured three times in four tries as a starter. So that's kind of dumb to rely on, but at the same time, the Niners are kind of stuck in this situation. Like what quarterback that has been traded should they have pulled the trigger on? 
Should they have traded two firsts for Stafford? No. Like, so, yeah, it sucks. But at the same time, what are they supposed to do? People don't just give away quarterbacks. But fig like your job, figure it out. That is your job. Like you, you can't just look at like who are the names that Albert Breer and Adam Schefter are saying are available. Like that's not what you do. There's 31 other teams. Identify one of those quarterbacks if you're determined not to move up in the draft, and call up the GM and figure it out. Like we have said that there is a package that they could give to the Houston Texans. That would get them Deshaun Watson, whatever you think it is, four draft picks, five draft picks, Bosa, Warner, Kittle, all those guys, whatever it is, there is a package that would get the job done. So you would have to believe that there are other quarterbacks that they could put a package together for that could get the job done. So go identify a quarterback you want, send the package and get the job done. That's easier said than done. You know, the price is the price. You can't just get it done, and they shouldn't overpay. I would argue Watson is maybe the one quarterback that you're willing to overpay, mainly because there's really not an overpay when you're getting a franchise quarterback who's 25 years old and that good. You know, an actual MVP-level quarterback who's 25. So that that situation, to me, is different. But like I just said, should they have given two first-round picks for Stafford? No. Like, no. I, I am happier with them passing than them giving up two first round picks to get Matt Stafford. Like so far there has not been a quarterback traded out there that I have gone and looked at in the last two years and said, boy, I wish they would have made that deal. So you're cool with Jimmy in 2021. Like you're good with this plan. Like you have no problem with the fact that they supposedly tried or maybe didn't try or whatever. You're good with it. You think this was the best way to go? I think it's probably, it all depends on what the prices are. We don't know what the prices are on, say, Sam Darnold. If it comes out that he could have been had for a second round pick, then yeah, they're stupid for not pulling that trigger, in my opinion. Because even if you think Stafford is not that good, the $20 million that they would save on this year's cap is worth it alone. So it it all depends on what the prices end up. But as of right now, Yes, like I don't see something that they could have done that would have been a better situation other than maybe Tom Brady last year, which hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was a 43-year-old quarterback. Like we were ragging yeah, on Tom Brady on our own podcast saying that he, he's washed. We're glad he passed on him. So I think that two things can be true there, right? The 49ers would have been better off with Tom Brady in 2020. But also, it's totally fair to understand why the 49ers didn't do that. Because like you said, you had Garoppolo coming off a full year where he was okay. And if you're worried about him getting injured, you don't replace him with a 43-year-old quarterback playing at an age where basically nobody has played quarterback and especially nobody has played it well in the history of the league. So I will never criticize them for not doing that. I totally understood the process in that. And let's case. not forget if Tom Brady didn't have a horseshoe up his ass, he would have lost in the playoffs. <laughs> he threw three interceptions in what the NFC championship game, I believe it was like no yep. other quarterback wins a Super Bowl playing that badly. It's not like Brady tore the league up. You know, he did quite well, but there were games in the playoffs that he should have lost. And he's, got a horseshoe up his ass when it comes to the playoffs. That's why he's won seven Super Bowls. He's really, really good. 
but it takes a lot of luck also, I would argue, to win that. Like, there's so many things you could point to in his career. But that's my point. Like, where, what is the move that you think the Niners should have done? It's easy to say, well, they should convince Houston to trade Watson. Houston's literally not responding to offers, according to pretty much every single person's report. There's not much you can do there. You don't want to call them up and say, look, we know you don't want a deal, but here's Warner, Boza, and four first-round picks. Ha, gee, we got the deal done. Like, you don't want to, you can't overpay. Like, I'm willing to overpay a little bit for Watson, but I think the type of deal that you would have to offer to get Houston to actually take it would be so ludicrous, ludicrously bad overpay that it's just not possible. Why can't you overpay? Like, you don't get any bonus points for winning a Super Bowl without overpaying anybody. What is the problem? That Houston won't respond to trade offers. They're not taking this seriously. Right, no, I'm not saying Houston. Yeah, okay. But, like, what about Ryan Tannehill in Tennessee? You tell me you can't come up with an offer to pry him away from the Titans? How about Baker Mayfield in Cleveland? They haven't even committed to picking up his fifth-year option. They may be looking for a way out with him. Have you called them to see if he can do it? I mean, like, there are other, there's 31 other quarterbacks in the league. You're telling me that there's nothing they could have done? I just, I can't swallow that. One, you think Baker is an upgrade? I would argue that he's pretty much a lateral move. And in terms of attitude... No thanks. Like I, I'm not a Baker fan he's, at all. He's younger. Uh, first of all, I don't know that Nick Bosa would go for that. Remember, remember when they played? He was pretty hell bent on destroying I mean, Baker Mayfield, and pretty much did. Let's in that be game. honest. Baker Mayfield comes off as pretty much the living embodiment of a douche. <laughs> <laughs> I love Baker. I don't know why his attitude don't like is him. crap, I and he, he has teammates that don't. I, that don't really like him. Like, there's a reason why he has that rep. Like, he. That's okay. It's okay if some teammates don't like your quarterback. That's fine. Everybody loves Jimmy Garoppolo and he sucks. But he's not that good on top of it. You can't be like that and be average, which is what he is. First of all, he's a hell of a lot younger than Jimmy Garoppolo. Garoppolo is going to be 30 this year. Baker's 25. He's a hell of a lot cheaper than Jimmy Garoppolo. Those are two combinations I really like. He was the number one overall draft pick for a reason. Jimmy Garoppolo is picked in the second round. Like, he has more talent, I think, than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's more mobile than Jimmy Garoppolo. Not by much, but he is. I'm just using him as an example. There are guys out there that you could potentially pry away. Maybe Derek Carr. John Gruden loves to get rid of quarterbacks. Derek Carr, you can call him up and see if there's a possible trade deal. Like, I mean, yes, that that one would be an upgrade. Not much, but it would be an upgrade. I mean, I just, the idea that they had to choose between Wentz and Stafford and that's it because the Texans aren't returning calls, like that is a false choice and I refuse to accept it. Yeah, but the reality is probably that. Like, you can't just call up a team and convince them to trade their quarterback. Cleveland sure you can. is in thinking they can contend mode. Pittsburgh's on the way down. They just made the playoffs. Are they going to be looking to trade their quarterback? Probably not. Ryan Tannehill? Ryan Tannehill? There is no way the Titans would be willing to trade him right now. One, they just uh, gave him a new deal. Two, he's their first good quarterback since Steve McNair, basically. And three, they know that they have a very small window because Henry's going to start to wear out. So they are in contend mode. They're not giving up Tannehill. Sure they would. 
I think I think you're living. First round pick and George Kittle. Will you give me Ryan Tannehill? They're turning that down. And and Jimmy, the Great. Niners, we'll Jimmy the too. Niners should turn that down. But I'm uh, my point is there is a deal that they can make to acquire. Yeah, these but guys. if it's an overpay, like I'm saying, it's not worth and it. it. Just because you can make a deal doesn't mean you're actually better making the deal. I don't think they would be better giving a first round pick, George Kittle and Jimmy, to get Tannehill. I totally think they would be. I think they would absolutely be better. George Kittle is a tight end. He's a really good tight end, but he's a tight end. He's not that valuable. I hate to break it to you. The first round pick, whatever, who cares? We just traded Kentuan Balmer away. Oh, no. And Jimmy Garoppolo, <laughs> you're swapping with Ryan Tannehill. They would absolutely be better. Like, I, I just, this whole, like, it's a fear of you have to upgrade, but we can't pay anything. It can't be painful. Like, that doesn't work with me. It has to be painful because, like you have said correctly, teams just don't give away quarterbacks. There's a difference between being painful. I'm not saying they can't make a painful trade and overpaying to the point that you're a worse team. Like, I don't think that there's necessarily a deal out there for Watson that would make you a worse team. Because, yes, I believe if they give up both Warner and Boza, they're a better team having Watson because he's that level of a quarterback. (laughs) That is crazy. It's true. I mean, it's much closer giving up both of them. Yeah. Like, you could make an argument the other way. I would say it's it's pretty close to the middle. But the offense would be at a historic level if they get Watson without giving up anybody else on offense. And the defense, yes, the defense would suddenly be a very average at best defense. But you can do things. And I, I'm just saying Watson's in a different league. Like, you call up for what, Russ Wilson? They don't even take the phone call. Oh, you call up for calls. Aaron Rodgers? I don't think they t- Not from the Niners. Well, yeah, you might be true on that, but I think they're <laughs> taking calls on everybody else. I mean, uh, Michael Silver just said basically that they're taking calls. So I, that's another thing, too. You may not have Russell Wilson to contend with in the NFC West for very much longer. But I, 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 I understand what you're saying. I just, I, what I don't want to hear from them is, well, we tried on two guys and that was it. You know, like that is very frustrating to me to hear from as a fan. Yeah, but you don't know if what they're saying is the truth. This regime, let's let's be honest, in the off season, they lie. <laughs> no, they, they definitely just, do. We just came off an off season where John Lynch was quoted as saying, I forget the exact quote, but basically DeForest Buckner is going to be a Niner for a very, very long time, and that ended up being his definition of a long, long time was like one month. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, you can't really take what they're saying with any kind of weight in the offseason. And he just admitted, what, two weeks ago that they did a smoke screen by sending him to the Patrick Mahomes Pro Day. So the Niners are one of those teams that they don't have leaks from their front office, despite what some people like to make it seem like. There's no leaks in that front office. There might be leaks from players and agents. There's no leaks in the front office. And at the same time, the front office purposely uses the media to throw curveballs at other teams. So we have no clue what the Niners are doing. I would wager a guess that they've probably inquired about a handful of quarterbacks. I would guess that they've talked to the Jets about Darnold. They talked about Stafford. I would guess that they've talked about Wentz. They've they've made inquiries to pretty much every quarterback, I would almost guarantee, because they're that type of regime. They will kick the tires on anything. It's just a matter of what their price is. And so far, I haven't seen anybody go for a price I would have been 
super ecstatic for. Like Wentz, yeah, maybe, but I mean, eh. You're right about the 49ers lying. A week before the draft last year, John Lynch said that Joe Staley's doing his typical routine. Down, he's working out. We're encouraged. We've heard nothing that would lead us to believe that Joe is not going to play. Later that week, they, of course, traded two picks to get Trent Williams because they knew that Joe Staley was retiring. So clearly, they do lie. And they admitted that they knew that when he <laughs> made that quote. They literally, like, was specifically asked that question, and he said, yes, we knew Joe was retiring weeks before the draft. Like, you can't believe anything this regime says right now. It, that's just the way it is. All right. Well, let me play the other John Lynch quote for you, and you can tell me what you think about this. This is another Jimmy thought from him from the I Test for Two podcast. We very much believe in our quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. I think the biggest thing for him is staying healthy. When he's healthy, he's played at a high level. So we got to do that, but we probably got to add someone, you know, so that, um, you know, we, we probably need to improve ourselves so that if he's not there, we're all right. We can win games. That's, to me, the same category. Like, he can believe that all he wants, but he has to say that right now because not saying that creates a firestorm that they don't want right now, which mean, which would be, hey, Jimmy's very much available. That could tank his trade value, and it also opens a can of worms if you end up getting to the regular season and going, oh, hey, uh, yeah, Jimmy, you are the guy in September because, uh, yeah, we couldn't make a deal anywhere else. You know, you, like he, he he has to answer that in that way. There was some murmurings this week, mainly from Colin Cowherd, who I don't put a ton of stock in, but he did mention the idea that maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is tired of all this crap and wants out. Do you think that there's a chance that that happens? A chance? Yes. I would say you have to say there's a chance, but I don't think it's a very big one at all. If that was the case, he would have done that a while ago because with the Wentz deal, with the Stafford deal, there are suitors that are off the market now. So the longer he waits, the less good suitors are out there, which, I mean, it, I don't think the Niners would would have been willing to trade him to the Rams if for nothing else they wouldn't have been willing to take Jared Goff back in the trade. But, like, the Colts were perhaps the best situation out there for teams needing a quarterback. So if Jimmy was going to do that, I feel like they already would have. Well, there's one potential landing spot out there. He knows he doesn't have a quarterback, and that's New England. I just wonder if at some point New England will make the first move and call up the Niners and say, hey, we'll give you Jimmy for a third-round pick, conditional second, based upon XYZ. Who says they haven't? I've said this since, like, November, maybe December, that Jimmy is their fallback. They're not going to be willing to move on from Jimmy until they know that they have his replacement. They don't have his replacement, so I don't think they're actively shopping him. But that doesn't mean I, I would all but guarantee Bill has at least made an inquiry. Doesn't mean the Niners truly talked through a deal, but I would bet that Bill has made an inquiry when it comes to Jimmy because most likely he's been possible of being traded, and Bill knows that. Everybody knows that there's a possibility Jimmy ends up not being the quarterback of the Niners, so why wouldn't Bill put in the call? I mean, look at the way that Jimmy was traded in the first place. Lynch put in a call about Jimmy, and months later was when the trade actually came through, so you got to put your name in the hat now in case Jimmy comes available, say, after the draft. That conversation started because of a discussion that Shanahan and Bill Belichick had at the combine after the Patriots beat the Falcons in the Super Bowl. 
and obviously there's no combine this year because of COVID-19. But don't worry, the tampering is still going on. Florio has an article in Pro Football Talk, quote, as one agent explained it to PFT, the tampering calls started last week. They are continuing this week, and by next week, it will likely be rampant. So there you go. Those discussions, if they haven't taken place, are going to take place any day now, any minute now, really. And I think that will go a long way towards sort of getting the gears of the offseason kind of turning again. They've sort of slowed down recently, but I think they eventually are going to kick back up, especially as we get closer to the start of the actual legal tampering period, which is March 15th legal tampering i still love that that's an actual like (laughs) term (laughs) like a real thing that the nfl calls it but yeah i mean most of these free agents especially the big ones their agents already have an idea of what the market's going to be because teams have already said hey uh you know if he's still a free agent you know doesn't doesn't sign resign with his current team uh you know we might be interested you know they have an idea every team does it i think like I, I get why they do it. It, I, I kind of go back and forth on it because part of me goes, "Well, this is stupid to wait so long for free agency," but at the same time, it's because normally you have the NFL Combine, all the pro days. Yep. Teams are so freaking busy right now doing their scouting that if you had free agency, there would be problems. There would be not enough basically time in the day for the top people, GMs and and people like Adam Peters and Kyle Shanahan to be involved in everything. So you would you would have problems with certain teams where they missed a pro day or they didn't get the scout done on this player that they might have been interested in, might have been willing to draft because they were spent pursuing a free agent and whining and dining with the free agent, taking them out to dinner, things like that. So I understand why it's later, but God damn, it's annoying as a fan. (laughs) (laughs) And with no combine this year, it really feels like a slog. Like we are, we are just in cement here trying to get towards the start of free agency again. Normally right now the combine is just getting started. And so it's combine all day and you got something to occupy yourself. Do you watch the combine when it's on? Yeah, normally. Yeah, so do I. I used to, like, when I was in college and I was actually had more free time, yeah, I would just sit there and watch it all day. Now it's kind of hit or miss. I like watching the 40s, and I like watching the bench press. Some of these dudes just get on that friggin' bench, man, and just crank it out, and I'm amazed. Like, 25, 30, 35 reps, it, it blows me away. You know what I think is an underrated drill that I actually enjoy? Watching the corners do their like you know their one on ones whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. because you can see how fluid their hips are and you can tell pretty quickly who are the guys that are crazy in terms of being able to get turned and that's something that that is harder to see in a real game because you never know like what their responsibilities are like you know they could have a drop to this point and be more of a zone or or whatever so they don't you don't always get to see just how fast they can get their hips turned. Yeah, I think that there are certain, especially if you when you've watched football for a long time, stuff like that pops out at you. You you might not know all the specifics, but you can tell like, okay, when guys do that move, it doesn't usually look that good or that bad, depending on, on what you're actually seeing. Every once in a while, I get on a YouTube rabbit hole and I watch, speaking of the bench press, Larry Allen at the Skills Challenge do the 225 pounds. I think it was like 43 times it was it just 
it still boggles my mind. I don't know why I feel the need to watch that more than once, but somehow, like, every, like, six months, I'll watch the Larry Allen video. You know, I remember hearing a story. I can't remember now which Niner it was, whether it was Ian Williams or I'm going to butcher the name because I'm terrible at names, as you've discovered. Yes. Uh, Isaac. Uh, Sopoaga? Sopo- yeah. I think it was him at, at the Combine. He was literally doing the bench press. And he got to a certain number. I think it was 39 or something like that. And he stopped and said, how many more till the record? And he had actually just gotten the record. But if you pause, the drill is over. So they had to stop him. And he was like not slowed down at all. You know, he just keep doing it. Yeah. I remember hearing that story during his like rookie year or the first year he was starting. So sometime early in his story, they or his career, they told that story during a game. And I was like, that's freaking nuts. Like he like he was still just going. He wasn't struggling yet. And he paused to ask, like, where am I at? <laughs> that's awful. And then that's it. You're done. Like, that they just stop you and, and oh, man, that would that would piss me off. Like, that would stick with me. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. He had either tied the record or just set it. I can't remember if he tied or just set it. I mean, on this, we're talking about a 12-year-old memory at this point or whatever it would be. I'm going to look that up. And when it was wrong, I'm going to make sure everyone knows it. <laughs> All right, we were talking free agency, so let's take a break, and then we'll get to our free agency-related questions that you asked me. Who is the one guy you will be most mad about losing, and who is someone that will likely be back that we don't want? Welcome back to the Gold Standard Podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Okay, Levin, these two questions are your brainchild (laughs) that you texted to me earlier today, so I'm going to let you go first. Who is the player you would be most mad about losing this offseason? I think it has to be Trent Williams. Like, I I, I don't think there's a, a player out there that I'm going to be truly irate that we lost unless the details of the deal they get comes out and it's less than, like, considerably less than I thought it would be. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, if Trent Williams ends up with an $18 million a year deal – and goes to another team because the Niners weren't willing to pay, it, it's going to be a, you know, what the hell? You know, if Jason Verrett signs for less than $10 million a year with another team and doesn't get a ton of guarantee, it's going to be a what the hell. Those are the only two that I could see myself being truly angry for, but I think the reality is if they don't re-sign with the Niners since Bolts have expressed interest in coming back, it's because they got some crazy deal from another team. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I'll never be mad at guys for taking the most money. I would take the most money. <laughs> like, it just logically, it makes sense. So if a guy leaves because he gets a crazy deal, I'm not going to be mad about it, like you just said. But if he leaves for a deal that the Niners could have offered, that's a different story. Um, I'll pick a different person than Trent Williams just for the sake of entertainment value. And I'll go with Kwan Williams because I think he's going to go with Robert Sala to the Jets. I think Sherman actually may may end up there also if he doesn't go with the Raiders. But I think that Salah loves Kwan Williams. I think he views him as a guy that can help educate the rest of his secondary on the system and how it works. Salah's gone out of his way to praise Williams and how well he helps that defense go. Uh, so I think he's going to go to the Jets, which stinks because the Niners clearly have a need at corner. And... I think he's really good at what he does. And they're, the Niners are keeping the system the same, so it's not like he'd have to learn anything. And I just feel like with the deficiencies they're going to have in that secondary, it would be really good to have him back. He's a really valuable piece for them, and I don't think he's going to be in San Francisco next year. 
Yeah, there's a reason why I threw him out there uh, when it became apparent Salah was going to be getting a head coaching job. As the guy, I thought, the new team that gets Salah will overpay yep. to make sure they get him because he is a key to the defense. He is the slot corner that is extremely important in Salah's defense, which plays nickel as much as any defense in the league. And like you said, it, it's kind of a glue, he's like a glue guy to that defense. Yeah, so I think he's somebody that he could go out there and whatever the Niners offer, the Jets are going to say, okay, we'll give you, you know, a million more per year or whatever. You know, he's the guy that I think they will overpay to make sure they get. Do you think that's a good move by the Jets? Uh, see, I, I, I'm lukewarm on Quan Williams in the future. I don't deny how great he is when he plays, but he has a lot of injuries. Every year he has different things that come up. He does get banged Constantly up gets lot. banged up. Yep. I would be nervous giving him any kind of decent money because I don't think he's going to last. He plays a very, very physical position, and he's already shown tendencies to break down due to it. Interesting, though. You think the Jets would be willing to overpay to get a guy they think they need? Hmm. Well, when you have a ton of cap room. (laughs) Like the 49ers did with Kyle Juszczyk? Yeah. And that would probably be the second guy on the list that the Jets might be willing to overpay. Although I think that's... I think that one, if I'm being honest, is probably a little overblown. Could be wrong. You know, I don't know LaFleur, but... I just get the sense Kyle is the one that truly values the fullback to Crazy Mount because you haven't seen any of his predecessors go out there and try to find a guy like Juice. You haven't seen McVeigh do it. You haven't seen Mafleur do it or Lafleur do it in Green Bay. Like none of his understudies, whatever you want to call them, have gone out there and done it. So I'm not convinced Juice is going to be somebody the Jets are willing to overpay to get because that's a Kyle thing. And the the guy that Juice loves is Mike McDaniel, who, of course, is still in San Francisco. So that is a factor also. But but the fact that he was talking about how, you know, he's he's got roots on the East Coast, his family's there, his wife's family's there, and he wants to start a family. And so, you know, obviously, if they're on the East Coast, it's a lot easier to raise your family when you've got other people around to help you. That makes me feel like if the offers are even... He believe in, if you know what I mean. It's possible. I'm not overly convinced of that aspect, but you never know. Like everybody's an individual. Some guys value being closer to where they grew up uh, immensely. Some guys don't care because they make millions of dollars. They can fly, and it doesn't matter to them. You know, it, it, I don't know juice, and I don't. There's not too many people that would know how valuable that is to him. Could be huge, could not be. Who knows? All right, and your next question is, who do you think will likely be back for the 49ers, but you don't want? And for the purposes of this, I'm going to exclude Jimmy Garoppolo from the possible answers. Yeah, we're talking more like the free agents out there. You know, this is the guy that I hope the Jets are willing to overpay. (laughs) And that's Kendrick Bourne. It is what it is. I've never been a huge Kendrick Bourne fan. I think he's a pretty good number three receiver and a really good number four receiver. But to me, I don't think the number three 
or worse, wide receivers are something you invest in if you have a really good number one and two, which the Niners do with Ayuk and, and Debo. I do not think, especially with the Niners cap situation, that any other receiver out there should be paid pretty much anything above the vet minimum. Like, I am not in favor of paying Kendrick Bourne some middle ground contract that he probably ends up commanding, like, you know, say $5 million a year. $5 million a year might not sound like a whole lot, but the Niners don't have a lot of cap room and they can't afford to be, like, I, I'm just a firm believer in, really, in almost any position, you pay your stars and then you look for bargains elsewhere. You don't pay these middle ground contracts to guys that are decent but not, not truly good. Like, you just don't do that to me. And that's something that a lot of players have complained about with the CBA, because that's exactly what they think the CBA has sort of forced teams to do. You pay the stars, and then everybody else is either an undrafted free agent or a guy in a rookie contract, and you because you just simply cannot afford to have a team of a bunch of middle-of-the-road guys making middle-of-the-road money, like you said. Um, Bourne has said that the 49ers and he have sort of been talking and that the 49ers want him back. I mean, every team wants you back at their number, I'm sure. Um, he's very replaceable to me. He's certainly not a bad player, but I think he's just, there are a lot of guys out there that you can get that production from. And so I don't think he actually is going to be back. Yeah. I mean, that, that who knows? It's another, like we're, we're in the situation of not really knowing anything in terms of where Kendrick Bourne thinks he's going to be value wise and where the Niners are willing to pay him. But you know, the only other point I would make on this is the Niners need a slot receiver bad. They need a slot receiver. So if they're going to spend money anywhere at wide receiver, it needs to be a slot receiver, and that's not Kendrick Bourne. Like, Kendrick Bourne is the backup at both outside receiver positions. You don't spend money at the backup. Unless it's a backup quarterback. quarterback, Which, (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently that's where you got to put all your money. Don't put it in the starter. um, So the guy that likely is going to be back that I don't want – See, the likely to be back makes this tough for me because, like, guys that 49ers free agents I don't want back, that list is easy. I already went through that list actually on a, on a solo pod. <laughs> like, Richard Sherman, no thank you, don't want you back. Like, there are a lot of guys. But in terms of guys that might be back that I don't want, I don't really feel strongly about this. But if if I have to pick someone, maybe Jaquiski Tart, the honor podcast honoree today, because... And I've said this about both 49ers safeties. They do not allow big plays, but they don't make big plays either. You know, Akash and Kyle Posey on yesterday's show were looking back at their bold preseason predictions. And Akash's preseason prediction was that the 49ers are going to get at least four interceptions out of their safeties. And in week one, they got one. I think it was Ward or Tart. I can't remember. I think it might have been Tart, actually intercepted the ball and I remember texting Akash and being like dude you're a genius look they already got one well guess what they didn't get another one the entire rest of the season that's frustrating like sometimes you need a guy that can make a play sometimes one turnover can turn a whole game and Tart is a really good player but he is not that player and so I think that he will probably be back but I kind of fall in that like I'm okay if you give up a couple of plays, if you can also make some big plays in return. I'm proud of you. That seemed very painful. I was smirking because the producer in you was coming out during that whole wishy-washy beginning of, I don't really want to pick anybody, but if I have to, blah, 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 blah. It was the producer in you. 
that that that's the guy that was the producer scheduling guests and convincing people to come on Pro Football Talk for I don't remember how long you were there, but for years because you got to be friendly with everybody, so you can't come out and say I don't like this guy. <laughs> but you, you got there. It took you a little while, but the longer you talked, the more critical you got. <laughs> I'm sorry, like <laughs> I like Tart, like I think Tart and Ward, especially together, are a a really solid combination, but. When I'm starting to go through the list in my head of guys that I think will likely be back, and then I have to pick one expressly to kick off the team, I got to come up with a reason why. So there you go. <laughs> you know, I, I will I will say this: you actually have met a lot of players, and so you've seen behind the curtain. And behind the curtain, most of them are good guys; they're human. So it's harder, I think, to be critical of people. And for being honest, I think a lot of your national Oh, people that are known for being critical, they it's an act. They're not, you know, they're they're stating opinions because they got to be opinionated to keep their radio show. But they know that these guys aren't that bad or that you know, you, you know what I'm getting at? Like they got to be overly critical because that's what draws listeners. But when you actually meet a lot of the players, they're human beings. I'll never forget something Golik told me. Um, and I, it always kind of stuck with me and he was talking about how he wanted feedback, like as a broadcaster, what do I do? Well, what do I not do? Well, you know, how do I get better? And he, at that point when he was specifically telling me this, he wasn't getting that feedback and he was getting frustrated. And he said, there are too many people who are afraid to give us former players like critical feedback. He's like our whole career. We were in a room with a position coach just (laughs) crushing us every day. Like you suck. You got to do this better. What the hell were you thinking on this play? Like we are used to criticism. Don't be afraid to criticize us. That's what we want. And that's what we're used to. And I think that as long as you criticize these guys with one coming from a place of knowing what they're going through and knowing what their responsibilities are and two, not doing things like questioning their heart, questioning their effort, you know, stuff like that. When you're just saying, hey, in this play, in this situation, the guy's got to flip his hips and get back or, you know, whatever the case may be. As long as you're in that area, I think most of the time these guys are cool with it, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean... I think the key is they got to respect you and think you know what you're talking about. Yes. Because we have seen it both ways. They take the criticism and they say, hey, he's not necessarily wrong. We've seen that. I think that's a little more rare. But you've also seen players push back and say, that guy doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. <laughs> that you know, you know, he's just a no-talent podcaster or <laughs> whatever you want to say. Like They do say that about you. Yes, I know. <laughs> Despite being the talent, you know, what? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I, I think it's when, when you demonstrate that, you know what you're talking about, like you were, like you were saying, but just to drive that home, like when you just criticize and say, the guy's not good, like they don't have respect for that. But if you actually say he's not good because, and you point out things that are actually true, they will respect that because they know they're not perfect. And I also like, at least for me, like when I criticize guys, especially like quarterbacks and stuff like that, I try not to criticize them. I try to criticize them by compare. Well, yes, personally, but also like by comparing them to other players, like what I imagine would be like the standard for an NFL quarterback. Like there are some interceptions that Jimmy Garoppolo throws that just like a regular run of the mill NFL quarterback should not throw. 
And I'm basing that on years and decades of watching the league and seeing all of these quarterbacks. Like, I'm not saying like, oh, it was a, you were calling a slant on cover three coverage, so you got to throw it here. Like, that's, I don't know that stuff. You know, that's not me. I try and, and base it on, in comparison to other players. And I, I hope that that comes across and I hope that that makes sense to people because like you said, like, I don't have that other knowledge to dive deeper into that. Yeah. And I mean, that that's really what it boils down to. If you're a blowhard and they're not going to react well to what you're saying, you know, if you're somebody that is trying to think the right way to put it, but if you're somebody that always just takes a certain stance, that's critical to get the attention a troll, so to speak. I mean, we all know who the Niners media troll is. Uh, we have named him on the show before, but we all know who that is, and the players know who that is, and he's had back and forth with players when he's been critical, and they haven't liked it because he hasn't necessarily backed it up. Sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. You know, and there's people out there that are that same way. I think Colin Cowherd has actually cooled off quite a bit. He used to be very much that way where he would criticize people just to be controversial. And I think he's actually cooled off quite a bit since he left ESPN in doing that. Nowadays, you could throw guys out there like Skip Bayless. They criticize and they take a controversial stance just to be controversial. And those people are not respected by the people who are actually doing the job. I just thought of a perfect example, like Mike McGlinchey, right? When we criticize Mike McGlinchey, we don't say, well, he's, he's you know, setting his stance too deep and he's overcommitting. It's like, no, when I criticize Mike McGlinchey, I say no offensive tackle in the league should be getting knocked on their ass by defensive backs. That is because other tackles in the league are not getting knocked on their ass by defensive backs. See, that I think is a fair way to talk about Mike McGlinchey from me because I never played offensive line. Well, hey, you know, other than... Getting knocked on his ass by a defensive back, he he has really great games. You know? <laughs> Other than those, <laughs> I'm never giving that up. Uh, I don't care if he ends up making six straight Pro Bowls. I'm still coming back to that. That's just a, it's a mind-boggling quote to me that, that somebody actually said that to the media. Well, other than a few plays, I play well. well okay. <laughs> like, other than those few interceptions Jimmy threw, he was great. You yeah. Know? If you take out he all only the threw 13 plays. interceptions in 2019 <laughs> in 16 games. So he was great, right? Just There's 13 throws. That's all he wants back. Then he's awesome. <laughs> well, 14 with the Super Bowl. Oh, well, yeah. Don't <laughs> get me started on that. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Gold Standard Podcast. Again, we remind you to rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, we do read the comments. If you have a question for us, leave it in there, and we will read it on the show and answer it for you. I believe we are 64 days away from the NFL draft, which the closer we get, the more excited I get. There's going to be tons of pro days. We're going to try and get some uh, prospects on for you. We've got a couple of things in the works, so hopefully we can bring you a couple guys. Whether the Niners might be interested in them or not, I think it's it's worthwhile just kind of talking to these guys. Sometimes you get some good answers out of them before they get into the league and, and get kind of the media training. I can see the smirk on your face, Levin. Do you agree with me or you think I'm way off? It goes both ways. Well, yeah, that's Sometimes true. you get good answers and sometimes you go, this guy can't talk. Yeah, you usually find out pretty quick, too. You, you really know which way you're headed relatively soon after you start the interview. But stay tuned because... We'll have those for you, hopefully, and uh, you'll have to find out which one they end up being. For Levin Black, I'm Rob Stats Guerrera. Go Niners.